Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and beginning. I think I'll paraphrase what's happened here. This is the people of Israel. They've crossed over the Red Sea. They've left the Exodus, they've left Egypt, and they are exiting out, and God has blessed them, and he's going to give them the promised land, and uh, their eyes have seen things that no other human being had seen before, the the Red Sea crossing and and the miracles that God had done for them. Moses is reminding them of all those things. It says in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 11, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence thou came, ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as the garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I have commanded you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain for, of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children and speaking of them when thou sittest in the house and when thou talkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Let's pray and then we'll go on today. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for opportunity to open it now and to look at it together. Help us to hear from you through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Guide my mind and my mouth, Lord. Ask me, help me to say only what you'd have said and that I would speak your will and that you would use what we hear today from your message to uh, change and to challenge our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Irrigation or rain, which would you prefer, independent or dependent? Last week, we celebrated independence, and I'm all for it. But there is one dependence we should never, ever stray from. I like to say it this way, independent of man, but dependent on God. True faith affects man and man's condition. If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are like these people who are exiting out of Egypt. Egypt is always a picture of the world. Egypt is slavery to the world. 
but leaving Egypt and crossing through the Red Sea and, and exiting out of Egypt and headed into the promised land is a picture of what happens when you are a born-again Christian and you are now freed from the bondage of sin and the bondage of this world that you were so bound to for so long. Headed into a new world and a new place. But notice what God tells them about this new place where they're going. He said, it's different than what you're used to. See, in Egypt, you could just water with your foot. Now, that's an odd phrase there, verse 10. Where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. It's different. Point number one under letter A, the Christian's temporal condition is different than the world's because the world depends on the secondary causes from below. In, in other words, the Nile River. The people in Egypt and along the Nile, they count on one thing every year, and that's the flooding of the Nile. And that flooding of the Nile is what they count on to, to uh, irrigate and to grow their crops. And so they would just make sure they channeled off of the banks of the Nile the places where they needed the irrigation to be. And uh, I, I'm married to a gardener, and I can tell you that sometimes you, you just kind of make that, that little channel, that little trough there, and you might use your foot to kind of pull that dirt apart and, and to make that little, that little gully and that culvert for the water to get to. Some commentators say, well, maybe they developed some kind of a pump system where they had almost like a, like a stationary bike or something, and they would pedal it and pump water. And either way, it was the irrigation off of the Nile and the flooding of the Nile. But can I tell you something? The footwork is toiling. It can get tiresome. You know how hard it is to just stand there and watch it rain? It doesn't wear you out too much. But the footwork is tiring. But the world depends on secondary causes from below by mere chance or luck as some would have it. You know, sometimes the Nile didn't flow like it was supposed to. Maybe it didn't rise as high as it normally does. Or sometimes it would get too high. East River, they know what that's about. Seems like every year it's either not enough or too much, right? And that would have those issues and, and the Nile sometimes would overflow. And here's the thing about it. When, even if you did water with a foot, you know, the thing about it is, is that uh, because there was so much mud that would come through, you'd have to keep working at it. I mean, you'd have to keep channeling and irrigating because the mud would cake in and, and pack in. And I've got a culvert on my road. It's a pipe full of mud. Because we had so much rain Thursday, it just washed everything out. My neighbors didn't channel their driveway properly and now their driveway is in my neighbor's other neighbor's yard by mere chance and by hard work i hear that a lot people say you know how, how did you get what you have luck and hard work you know i don't really appreciate that too much and i'll tell you why because i know people who work hard and yet it never seems to work out very much for them and and there is quote unquote by chance and luck as you would say it seems but see, a Christian depends on heaven. See, we're talking spiritual here. A Christian depends on heaven above. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. If you live in the Black Hills, like we do, if you're visiting with us today, you might not understand this. But those of us who live in the Black Hills, we understand something. I don't know what it was like 150 years ago. I wasn't here, but I have some ideas. I, I think that, you know, the, the Native Americans would call this Paha Sapa, and they, they considered it to be sacred ground and whatnot. And, but I don't know that they actually lived here. 
because my understanding is, is that uh, there, there were no lakes in the Black Hills until men decided to dam them up and make reservoirs. And there aren't very many rivers flowing through the Black Hills. So there's only one thing that keeps these hills green and that's rain. And if you don't get enough rain, you're not gonna have enough water. And you'll notice all the big cities in our country were founded and established around water. And that's just the common thing to do. That's what common man does, all right? Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, some of the bigger populated areas, uh, uh, they, that was just, it was easier to live. It was just easy living, all right? There was, no, there was no well drilling back then or reservoirs and dams being built. It was just, it just wasn't there, just wasn't possible. So uh, we understand just like Palestine where these people were going, the promised land in Israel, we understand the hills and valleys concept because we live right here in the hills and valleys concept. There's one thing we got to have. And, and I've been think, I think about this every summer. I think about this passage every summer, and this year's no different. This week's no different. I just praise the Lord for the water we've had. There was a helicopter out here on the pad this past week. Huge thing. Two fans on top. And uh, that said, it, they said they, they could hold 2,500 gallons of water. And a huge, huge, great big flying bus. And they prepare and they plan in case there happens to be a forest fire. Well, praise the Lord, this week there isn't. We know how fast, though, it can change. All it takes is for a few days and hot sun like we're, we're seeing now. And that green turns to yellow and then it turns to brown. And all of a sudden, this beautiful paradise that everybody loves to come in on vacation becomes a great big bonfire. And we understand the concept. I think we can visually picture it because of where we live. But the Christian depends upon heaven. We recognize that we are very dependent. We are dependent from above. Bible says in James chapter 117, every good gift cometh from above. Kind of like homegrown or a home-cooked meal. Bible says in 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, Neither the things that are in the world. You ever get away from home? I, I laugh at my boys. I got two boys still at home. I know the number one reason why they're not in a hurry to move out. They don't want to eat their own cooking. I don't blame them. Uh, I mean, my, my older my older son, you know, the, he just, mom comes, he wants her to make stuff and freeze it, make stuff and freeze it. Why? Home, that home-cooked meal, there's just something. Why? Because it's from above. There's, there's just no comparison between homemade you know, mashed potatoes and instant. There's no comparison between what you can buy. I, I told my wife, I said, I don't, there's not a salad in any restaurant I've eaten at that's as good as the salad you make. And there's just no comparison with home and this world and what this world can offer. Every good gift comes from above. But see, the work is different between the lives of the saved and the unsaved. And here's probably the saddest part. The ungodly works hard for temporary gains. Every year that Egyptian has to do the same thing. 
He did it. He did it last month. He did it last week. He did it last year. He's got to keep using his foot to make those channels because after a while they get washed out. They get flooded out, whatever it might be, might not be deep enough this year, whatever it might be. And so every, he's constantly have to do the same thing over and over again. And he works hard and it might, it might produce. I mean, he, a lot of times Egypt, Egypt had well watered. I mean, Egypt is well watered, but there's a lot of hard work and it's always so temporary. Can I tell you, I see people like that all the time. Oh, I'm not talking about actually watering with their foot. Or, but I see people as human beings that are working so hard. And at the end of their life, you can't even tell they were there. Oh, they got what they wanted at the time. And they toiled all day. I'll never forget years ago. Years ago, a friend of mine who was told, he was an older man, he was told that he had terminal cancer. A hardworking man, never had a whole lot to show for it, turned to his wife and said, he was not a Christian. He said, so what was it all for? What a sad question. That's just how the Egyptians are though. It's all temporary gain. I read you about a, a lawyer I read once, a young man who was, his desire was to be the greatest lawyer ever. He would fast because he didn't want to take time to eat because he was so busy studying and reading books and working on cases and things like that. And he would even pray. He was not a Christian, but he believed in God. So he would pray, make me a giant of a man. Make me a great lawyer. One day he opened up a volume of a book that he was recommended and he read from another lawyer. And he said, and this is what the quote was, when all is gained, how little then is won. And yet to gain that little how much is lost? It blew his mind. He had respected the individual who wrote those words. And it caused him to completely collapse and, and realize that he had just been wasting his time trying to chase this goal and this dream that was going to make him happy. You know how many people out there have finally reached their goal only to find out how much they've lost? That's the Egyptian way. Work hard for nothing. But you know the Christian way? Let me show you the Christian way. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It doesn't say always abounding in your own work. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I've had the opportunity to build my own house. It wasn't anything grand. It wasn't anything super. But I did have the opportunity to build my own house. And I even got to sell it. And it's still standing as far as I know. You talk about stress. <laughs> you talk about work. I have no problem with labor and God designed us and, and desires for us to labor. We are to work. But you know, there is no labor out there. There is no labor out there that will satisfy. Just as Jim said to his wife, what was it all for? There have been celebrities who finally gained the trophy. There have been businessmen and, and women who have finally attained whatever status they were hoping for. Only to say, what was it all for? 
I read an old, old story. This is, this is a couple thousand years ago. And it, uh, about two guys, one was Sinius and the other was Pyrrhus. And the old story says that Pyrrhus, king of Epirus, was making preparation for his intended expedition into Italy. Sinius, the philosopher, took a favorable opportunity of addressing him this way. The Romans, sir, are reported to be warlike and victorious people. But if God permit us to overcome them, what use shall we make of the victory? In other words, if we defeat them, then what? Pyrrhus says, well, that's self-evident. The Romans once conquered. No city will resist us. We shall then be masters of all of Italy. Sinius then asked, and having subdued Italy, what shall we do next? Pyrrhus, not yet aware of what Cyrus, Sinius was up to, said, Sicily next stretches out her arms to receive us. Well, that's very probable, sir, Sinius says, but what will the possession of Sicily, uh, will it put an end to the war? Pyrrhus says, God grant us success in that, and we shall make these only the forerunners of greater things, for then Libra and Carthage will soon be ours, and these things being completed, none of our enemies can offer any further resistance. Very true, said Sinius, for then we may easily regain Macedon and make absolute conquest of Greece. And when all these are in our possession, what shall we do then? Pyrrhus, smiling, answered, Why then, my dear friend, we will live at our ease, take pleasure all day, and amuse ourselves with cheerful conversation. Sinius said, Well, sir, why may we not do this now, without the labor and hazard of an enterprise so laborious and uncertain? It's old English, but why don't we just skip all that and just enjoy our life now? I don't think God teaches us to be lazy, but at the end of ambitiousness, what did we gain? As Christians, let me tell you, the Bible says your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, there has never been a time where I have said, Boy, I sure am sorry I donated more time to God that year. As a matter of fact, one preacher said this, and I totally agree with him. At the end of the year, every Christian should be able to look back with a smile. At the end of your year, you should be able to look back with a smile. It was a good year. God did exactly what he needed to do, and we were taken care of. I don't know about you, but... There have been times where I've wanted to pull out the Visa and MasterCard God and pay for my problem. And the Visa and MasterCard God, they do a pretty good job for about 24 and a half days. And my God has taught me over the years to, to understand, listen, listen, I gave you the hills and valley country so that you would learn To not depend on your own strength. That's what the Egyptians do. To not depend on your own macho-ness and your own ability. That's what the Egyptians do. Please forgive me. I don't mean to, to disparage anyone, but we live in an in a area here where people love to come here and they want to retire here and they want to build their dream house and all the more to it if that's what they want to do. But they don't calculate one thing. They don't have the same muscles at age 55 when they started making that plan as they do at age 75. Can I get a witness? I, my wife and I know people 
who have a beautiful three-story home in this county. They haven't seen the third story in years. They paid her to clean it because they couldn't get up there. Listen, I'm just trying to say that the Egyptians have a very basic level understanding of the world. Their whole life is built on the world system and the Nile River. That's all they can understand. No, 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 no. I can't live in the hill country. I couldn't make it up there. I couldn't possibly water with a foot. I couldn't possibly irrigate enough and pump enough to. No, I couldn't live up there. That's where the Christian's supposed to live. How do you make it, Christian? There are people in this room right now. There are people, a part of our church right now. You are a blessing to my heart. You're a blessing to the Lord. You know why? Because there are Egyptians out there that look at you and say, how do they do it? How do they do it? I could never live. And, and by the way, there are some Christians who defeat or make defeated decisions and, and compromise and they stay in Egypt. For instance, go back to Genesis 13. We won't do it right now, but go back to Genesis 13. You know what it says? It says that Lot, Lot was a believer, but you know what it says about Lot? He saw the well-watered plains of Sodom and it reminded him of Egypt. Whereas Abraham, God said, Abraham, look at the hills. Yeah, but the brown. Look at the hills, Abraham. It's all yours. And friend, I've been there. I've been there. And just like our hills, without water, it's all brown. And when God was blessing Israel in those Old Testament days, The heathens, the Canaanites, the people around them just scratched their head and said, how do they make it? And the answer is from above. And God is saying, I, I, I'm giving you this type of land on purpose. And Christian, there's lots of things that we have to fight in temptation. And one of them is to be like the Egyptians and our own calculating and cleverness and security. And when God moves us to the mountains and God wants us to live in the hill country, that we understand it will be fine as long as we keep looking towards him. I would say this to all of Custer County right now. Do not get comfortable with where you are. Yeah, it's green today, but those who have been around a while, we know it could be brown next week. And spiritually speaking, do not get complacent and comfortable and fall for the ways of the world, the Egyptian ways. Egypt is not the right way to follow. It's not the right way to go. Let me read you some verses. Psalm 37. These are mostly in Psalms. Let me read them to you. Psalm 37, first of all. Verse one, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut off down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Don't, don't look at today in the present tense and see the evildoers and what they seem to be getting away with. Understand that God's in charge. Verse three, trust in the Lord to do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Look over in verse 25. It says, I have been young and 
Now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Part of parenting our children was to show them problems. Now let me just stop and say, there wasn't one problem we had that I wanted. But every time a problem would come and a big issue would come, it was a stress and it was a discouragement and there was frustration. But we as a family would have to say, but God knows how to fix it. We got to trust the Lord. We got to let God be God. And the blessing, I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize it at the present because I was too busy stressed out about it. But the blessing was when God proved that he'll take care of the issue. That, that as things are drying up, God will send the rain. It says in verse four, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Everybody wants to live in the mountains, but they can't trust God to take care of them in the mountains. Everyone wants that victorious life, but Egypt's so much more secure because you don't have to trust God in Egypt. Verse five, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness, thy light and thy judgments of the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil for evil doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. How do you folks live up there in the hills? How do you do it? Well, we, we have a guarantee from our maker. And our maker said, if we'll put him first, he'll water our land. I'm 49 and a half years old. I ain't done everything right. But I have learned in those years, he sends the rain. Man tries to manufacture rain. About 50 years ago, they tried that here. It didn't work out so well. But he sends just the right amount. If you live in this area, like, I was born in Seattle. I know what rain is. But if you live in the Black Hills and we get one of those nice rains, you just walk. You just, have you ever, anybody besides me ever just stare at the trees, just all soaking wet water running down the trunks? It's like, and you know, the, the, the vacationers, like, this is a terrible day. Oh, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Can I tell you something? Spiritually speaking, there's been days where I just stand and let it rain. I say, God, thank you. A few years ago, I had this issue with a neighbor. It's not a huge deal, but someone said, well, I'll tell you what you could do. You could go to lawyer. And you probably could make a case and take your, your neighbor to the court. I said, I don't want to do that. That's not God's will. But it was a, it was a sore, it was a kind of a thorn in the flesh thing. It was just a sore subject and it was just an irritation. I got a new neighbor. Whoopee! So a week ago, I went to the new neighbor and I asked him about the problem. And they gave me the same answer the old neighbor said. Oh, I was so discouraged. In fact, I think it was last Saturday night. I couldn't sleep. I woke up all frustrated about it, tossing and turning. I thought of 400 ways I should have talked to that neighbor. 
I had 400 different responses. In fact, I had them all loaded in my guns. The next time I saw them, boom, 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 boom. And about three or four in the morning, the Holy Spirit finally said, would you shut up and go to sleep? You're whining about nothing. Just chill. I don't know if God really talks like that. This is how I heard him. Wednesday night after church, the neighbor sends a text. Hey, we changed our minds. We want to talk to you about that. You know what I've been doing ever since? Thank you, God. Thank you for the rain. I could have got a lawyer. I could have done all my work myself. And rah, rah, rah. There's no, listen, when you, when you make yourself great, you know who gets the glory? When you get your will accomplished, you know who gets the glory? You know how much satisfaction there is in that? But when you know that it came from heaven, <laughs> when you know it wasn't you, you know who gets the glory? You know who you praise and give honor to? When the, when the Canaanites and the Egyptians say, how do you do it? You know what you say? He does it. We don't do it. He does it. That's the message. The ungodly works hard for temporary gains. I feel sorry for the politicians who live their whole lives chasing after the dream of an election. Can you imagine being Hillary Clinton? I, I don't want to discourage you, but can you imagine? I mean, what a sad life. You work so hard and the millions of dollars spent in campaigning and blah, 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 only to lose again. And even the other politicians that we have, I mean, how sad. Because one day every one of these losers, even if they win on earth, are going to meet their maker. It reminds me of the old couple that came home on a ship years ago before the days of airplanes. And they were on this ship sailing back to America for a, a little furlough. They were missionaries and they'd served God. I don't know if it was Africa or I think it was Africa, South America, somewhere they served God. They pulled into port and uh, I don't know if it was Florida or exactly where it was. They pulled in and, and, and the, on the ship, there was a dignitary. I, don't, I think it might've been President Roosevelt or someone, but there was an important person on the same boat and there was a huge crowd of people and they were cheering and, and, and bands were, you know, the, the band was playing and people were singing and there was lots of, and the dignitary got off the ship to a, a huge crowd waiting for them. The old man and his wife, very lonely, very by themselves with their suitcases walked off the ship and the, and the, and the, the husband started grumbling and the wife said, what's wrong with you? He said, we've given our whole life to serve the Lord and there's not one person here to recognize us and cheer us or play a band or anything for us. She said, oh, and it just was bothering him. She said, well, just pray about it. And she went to sleep and she woke up the next morning. He was all agitated when she went to sleep. She woke up the next morning. He was bright eyed and whistling. She said, what happened to you? He said, I did what you said. I prayed about it. And? He said, God gave me the answer. God, why didn't you get, greet us with a, a ceremony and, and, and a welcome with open arms and people to cheer us and to encourage us? Why? And God said to me, because you're not home yet. Listen, 
I, I don't I don't need what this world has. I don't remember how old I was when I figured out that if I finally get all the property that I want, you know, and, and, and it's never enough. You know, if you have half an acre, you want an acre. If you have an acre, you want two. And, and, and if I, if I get all, if I finally get my little castle built and I get everything just the way I want it, I don't remember how old I was. And all of a sudden I realized then they're going to tax it. And then I got to do maintenance. And of course, as a human being, I do that. I own a house. I, I have to do maintenance. But I'm getting to the point, I'm old enough to say, glad I don't own that place. But one day I'm going to get a mansion. There is no IRS in heaven. I'm positive of that. I'm going to get a mansion. My God will supply all your need. Maybe not all your wants as soon as you want them, but all your need. And I learned and I'm still learning to just trust the Lord. A few years ago, I don't remember how many years ago now, but a few years ago, we had a real downtime and there were some people that left our church and things like that. And I wondered and worried and fretted as, as a pastor probably would. And, and the Lord just said, hey, the rain still comes from up here. And he was right. And then I remember when it started to rain. I remember being reminded, and my kids even stood up and sang, it's not in vain. If you're serving the Lord, it's not in vain. See, Egyptians, there's a lot of in vain work. But if you're serving the Lord, it's not in vain. Sometimes I see the young people and We've got one right now. I don't know what she thinks, but every time she comes to church, she does laps around this room. But I'm reminded of the older kids who are now young adults. It's not in vain. There's a couple people missing today. They're out of town. Those two sisters. <laughs> Those two sisters are a blessing. Treg, he's gone today. He might be listening. Forgive me if you're listening, Treg. I don't care if Treg falls asleep. I'm glad he's here. I do care, but not that much. Because I'm thankful. He knows he needs to bring those girls here. I'm thankful for that. And he personally has been a blessing to me. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I know there are people in this room that you are, you are a blessing to me. And I would say your name if it, if it wouldn't embarrass you, but you're a blessing to me because I'm telling you right now, there's only one reason why you are green. It's because heaven has provided for you. And the Egyptians don't get it. But do you see what this is? It's your opportunity to point to your God in heaven and say to the Egyptians, it's because of him. That's why we live in this hilly country. Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And Psalm 127 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, they, the watchman waketh but in vain. For it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Listen to me. 
it is vain to do it the way the Egyptians do it. I was, I was born into a family where my father's goal was to be a millionaire when he was 40 years old. He was well on his way during my year, early years growing up. His desire was to go well in business and to go strong and go forward. And he was doing the businessman thing and he was traveling a lot and gone a lot and doing this and that and the other. And he had gotten saved along the way and he started to go to church and he started to follow the word of God and things became different in his priorities. And after a while, his heart changed completely and he went from desiring to be a millionaire at age 40 to when he was age 40, he actually became a pastor. But I know many broken home stories where dad finally got the million, but lost the family. The Egyptians have their way. God has his way. Jesus said in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not that Christians don't work and have labor. We do, but our labor is not in vain. And the work, when it gets tough, he's alongside us in the yoke to help pull. Thirdly, the ungodly cannot operate in the hills and valleys. There are people in our church that have health issues or other issues, not of their own doing. You have issues behind the scenes. Maybe you have a spouse that's not a Christian. And you might be just bogged down sometimes. And, and yet there are people that are looking at you and saying, how do they do it? You know how the Egyptians do it? They get addicted to something. You know why alcohol is so prevalent and drugs are so, because people can't cope with the hills and valleys of life. But Christians can say, we just have the heaven above raining down on us. God himself is giving us the essentials. The young God, they can't operate in the hills and valleys, but the Christian knows that their God is everywhere present and he sees all. Back there in Deuteronomy chapter 11, forgive me for getting away from there, but Deuteronomy chapter 11, again, it says here, verse 12, a land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. You know how many days of the week my God's eyes are upon me? And you, if you're a believer, God knows exactly what's going on. There's never been a time when I've had to bow my head and say, God, you're not going to believe what happened today. He already knows. The eyes of the Lord are upon it. He knows when the rain needs to come. And maybe he allows it to get a little bit dry for a while. You know why he does that sometimes? You know why he does that? Just that we'll get on our knees and be reminded of where it comes from. The eyes of the Lord upon it, he careth for the eyes of the Lord, our God are always upon it from the beginning of the year. Oh, I got to stop. Notice the word always. 24 seven. There have been times when I've had to stop and say, God, please forgive me because I really thought you forgot. And I'm wrong for thinking that because you never forget. God is always paying attention to me, I start thinking that, well, he gets so busy, he couldn't possibly pay it. No, no, he knows exactly what he's doing. And he sees all, he sees all of it. Always upon it from the beginning to the end. And then lastly, verse 21, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children 
let me stop and say that sometimes people chase after dreams and they get them, but there's no thought for their children. Probably the greatest thing I could say about my father and his decision to leave the world he had for the world God wanted him to be in is it affected me greatly in a positive way. My father probably could have gained the million, but I'm not sure I would have gone the same direction. I'm so thankful that I learned as I watched my parents that when times are tough, just before it seems like it's too late, here comes the rain. Now, I'll be honest. It's very tempting to get an irrigation system. It's very tempting to, to sign up and to get some kind of automatic system where you don't have to worry about rain anymore because that's too insecure. I'd rather trust in man's ability than God. Think about that. But we do it. We all do it. And yet, notice what it says in verse 21. The days of your children, the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. That's what I want. In fact, that's why it's referred to as the promised land. See, the promised land is a picture of salvation. If you've been born again, that's a promise that can't be taken away from you. If you're saved, that's permanent. And the land was given to them. It's, it was their land. It was permanent, just like our salvation is permanent. But the land is only productive if there's rain. My salvation is permanent. I'm saved. I will always be saved. When I die, I'll go to heaven. It doesn't matter what I do from this day to the rest of my life. I will always be saved. However, the, uncondition, the conditional part is what do I do with the, the ability God's given me to serve him? Because if I walk away from God and I get backslidden and I'm not listening to the word of God, the rain stops. Oh, I don't lose the land. The land just becomes not very productive because the rain stops. And there are many Christians like that. They're saved, but they stopped following the Lord and the rain has stopped. They got to go back down to Egypt and figure something out instead of just getting right with God. Why don't you get right with God? There's nothing wrong with the land. It just needs rain. If you don't recognize the dependency, I know last week we celebrated independence. But in that celebration of independence, may I remind you, if you're a Christian, there's something that should never be independent. And that is us. We are dependent on our maker. Psalm 100 says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Are you a dependent believer on the Lord? Or are you trying to be independent? Do you have the promise of salvation? And do you just squander the, the opportunity for the rain? I'm encourage you today. I don't know if I made sense today, but I got something out of it. Let me encourage you today to be a dependent follower of Christ, to recognize that his way is higher than our ways. His way is different than man's ways. Egypt has its system. I'm so sick of Egypt. 
Egypt has its ways. Egypt has its credit cards. Egypt has its way of doing things. But Egypt will never see the hills and valley country. Egypt will never know what it's like to live in the hills and enjoy the rain from heaven. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray if there's someone in our midst that does not know you, that they would understand their need for salvation. Lord, the promise of salvation is, is so secure. What you give, you never take back. As, as a believer, I can trust you that you gave salvation and it is for, for certain, it is for forever, it's secure. It's for eternity. But along the way, just like you told the people in the Old Testament, if we want the rain, we have to keep our eyes on you. Help us as believers to recognize and be thankful, to stop and just say, thank you for the rain. To say, thank you for how it came just in the, what seemed like the nick of time. How that you provided and when the abundance comes and the fruit comes that we stop and give glory to where it belongs. Lord, may we never be a people who brag on ourselves and our work, but instead of people who brag on our God and your work. And Lord, help us to be a people who are thankful and humble, knowing the only reason why we can enjoy the hill country is because we have a God who provides the rain. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed.